This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 56 of the Wisdom by Oisa show on the Horse Radio Network. And I'm Mike Donnell. I'm Casey Wilbanks Coletti. And this is Sophia Aguila. Welcome to Wisdom by Wessa on the Horse Radio Network. This podcast is brought to you by the Western and English Sales Association, WISA, which provides the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives of the equestrian industry. In this podcast, we feature exclusive interviews with noteworthy Western and English personalities, retailers, and exhibitors who you've always wanted to talk to. Don't miss out on all the news for manufacturers and retailers in the equine industry. This year, a lot of the retailers and exhibitors may be comparing Wiesa's old location with the new location, and Sophia is here to talk to us about some comparisons she can share. Yes, with the upcoming Westside Trade Show being in Dallas for the first time, I'm sure people will compare the old facility to the new one, which we're honestly happy about just because the DMC is definitely an improvement and we're excited to move over there. But um, we crunched some numbers and found that the that we sold over 1,400 square feet of additional exhibit space compared to that in 2020. So the Westside 2021 trade show in Dallas will be bigger than the 2020 show in Denver was. How many exhibitors total will there be at WESA's trade show? We will have almost 400 exhibitors, which is exciting. So the 14th floor is full of permanent Western tenants. And then we have the 11th floor packed with 70,000 square feet of temporary booth space. So, yeah, we just now have a little bit more than two more months left. And we're so excited. Back in 1972, Gary Watros was traveling to fairs and flea markets and art shows displaying unique leather accessories that he literally created on the tailgate of his station wagon. At one of those shows, a guy in the next booth was making leather hats and taught Gary how to make one. The rest is history. Today, American Hat Maker, now headed by Gary's son, Garth, produces some of the most unique hats available and has grown its business not only by producing great hats, but by following the seven business principles laid out by Gary in the early years. Garth's here to tell us the story. Hey, Garth, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to talk with us here on the Wisdom by Wisa podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I look forward to it. Obviously, uh, yours is a unique company in many ways, one being the terrific variance in the terms of hats you produce. I spent time going through the website. You clearly understand how to use digital marketing, great photos, videos, things of that nature. And so I think that everybody listening will be interested. I I mentioned in our introduction to the show, which you didn't hear, uh, your dad started out the business making leather accessories uh, on the tailgate of a station wagon and today you guys have an international business selling phenomenally well-designed and unique hats but maybe you could talk just a little bit about the high spots of that history and then we'll talk a lot more about today in the future yeah yeah great great uh, introduction there so yes back in the 70s he was uh, definitely trying to figure out his own path and, and started making leather goods. I uh, tease him because he was the uh, stereotypical hippie. And moving from 
Southern California up to Northern California. And fast forward a couple years later, he had an opportunity to uh, get into leather hats. And, and for the most part, the rest is kind of history as far as what product he chose um, to really um, hone his craft. Um, we, we've come full circle. Fast forward to today, we're actually back doing some accessories and belts and wallets and bags and, and such. But for the most part, uh, for the last 30 years, we've predominantly only done hats. You mentioned the high spots. I was thinking that uh, there was a lot more low spots than high spots. <laughs> To be completely frank, I think the headwear game been challenging for sure. You know, we we always laugh around here, at least at, at the family dinners and such, that like we should have uh, closed the doors many times, but uh, but we didn't. Uh, we kept trucking, and um, you know, we my father was was blessed to be able to provide for his kids and family, and put us all through college, and you know, have a, a little nest egg for himself and. As his journey is winding down, he's uh, asked me to come on board and, and help lead the charge for, for the next couple decades. Um, and, and we're excited. We're, we're branching out. God, we're branching out into a lot of other mediums. You know, predominantly we've been leather hats for, for, for as long as I can remember. And now we're doing felt and, and straw and you know, just trying to get different materials, given a, a bigger and wider selection of headwear. But we, we, we also, as you mentioned earlier in the lead-in, is that we've really gone to the digital side. We've been online for decades, but we're really honing our craft over on the uh, digital marketing. Really uh, leaned into it um, big time, and we're excited about our future. So. Well, and I think one of the interesting things, you've, you've, you've begun to use other materials, but you've consistently turned out unique-looking products, and that means that someone, it's your dad, it's you, it's others, uh, have the design skills, the creativity to say, we'll take this material that is used in other types of hats, but hey, here's an idea of what this one might look like. Let's try to produce this one. And I think the interesting thing on our uh, our listeners who are all, many of them in the, in the retail business and in the Western material business, wondering how that gets done day after day, year after year, for as many years as you've been in the business, the look and the feel and the message of the product takes a lot of design creativity. Where does that come from and how does that get continued? Yeah, so thanks for noticing. You know, I get asked that question probably more than any other question from we and my father and I, we're really the backbone from the design side. Um, we have um, off and on for the last decades, we've had designers. We, we currently have a great designer. Uh, her name's Ruby Roxanne. She's on, on staff and um, does a lot of the um, leadership in the design world. Um, we also have team members that are, are passionate about their craft and they tend to design just by nature because they're working with their hands 24 seven. But over the years, most of it has stemmed from my father and I, and he just a little background on that. So my father very much is an artist, uh, very much designs from some ideal shape, look, color. He, he has an idea of where he's heading um, and what he desires in the hat. I'm, took a totally different approach. Not sure right brain, left brain, not sure exactly where it came from, but I designed much more from a sourcing standpoint where I know that this material works well. I can buy it regularly. 
uh, it's available, um, sourcing's easy, so on and so on. It's affordable. Um, and then I then try to create something with that raw material instead of in reverse. Most artists, I think, create something and then try to figure out how to, to source all the materials after they've created it. And so we complemented each other well in the sense that he still gets to design some crazy stuff. And then I try to take his cool design and kind of morph it into something that I know we can produce consistently at, at a, a cost that is profitable. Now, when you come up with a new design, do you and your dad put your heads together and say, yep, we're going to make those? Or do you make some prototypes and test them in any way to see how other people react? Yeah, so we've we've done it both ways over the last 30 plus years. We've now we currently so we've come full circle. So back in the day, we used to make onesies and twos all day long. We would take it out on the road and you would sell them. And if you could sell both of them, you'd come back and maybe you'd make a couple more if you had the raw material to do that. Then about 10 to 12 years ago, we really honed in on the B2B side of the business, the wholesale side. And we would go into a project knowing that we would guarantee this hat being available for the next 12 to 18 months. So our wholesale customers could, could count on having a consistent line over the next year or two, which created obviously a lot of responsibility from sourcing cash flow, inventory management, projections. And our industry as a whole, they're not the best planners. Most of them buy it when they want it. They don't really plan ahead of time. I think the industry isn't so much a a very high-tech planning industry, headwear, Western wear. And so now, fast forward pandemic today, we've taken the premise of being on the road, but applying that to e-com. And so for the first time in probably 10 years, I've actually reached out to some of our suppliers and I'm buying really limited runs of some more exotic leathers and uh, colored leathers that we can make limited run styles, maybe 24 or 36 units, and then list it online, see the traction. And if we sell it well, then we can go back to our supplier uh, and maybe order a drum of that leather, but not commit to that hat without actually having some testing. That sounds smart. Now, you might guess that between Casey and I, uh, she's probably more of the fashionista than I am. I take a look more like you and I are talking about how do you make them? How do you, where do you make them? How do you make money at them? How do you support your retail distribution? But clearly these hats have to have an appeal to people who like fashionable things. In our twosome, that would be Casey. I'll turn this over to her right now. (laughs) Well, I think you're quite fashionable, Mike, so don't undercut yourself there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is a great lead-in, guys, because I'm just going to pop this in there. We've gone from Mike to Casey in our marketing, branding, um, belief, um, going into the digital world, we're trying to, to do maybe a little less of the 60 year old male and do a little bit more of the 20. And I don't know your guys' ages, but I'm guessing uh, a little less of the 60 and a little bit more of the 30 year old female. And so this is a great lead in because this is literally what we're working on as we speak today. 
Well, and, and obviously an interesting topic because hats um, obviously started as a necessity. They, people wore hats at, out of necessity to keep the sun off, the rain, the weather, things of that nature, and has certainly turned into a huge fashion statement, um, certainly in the Western world. And I'm, I'm almost certain that you are not just strictly involved in the Western world, but I can imagine there's hats in uh, your hats in, in movies and red carpets and things of that nature. But certainly specifically talking about our Western world, hats have become really an accessory, just like any piece of jewelry or any accessory. And you have multiple choices for that. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I think it, if anything, the, we, we've always been a fringe product in the Western world. It's, a, it's as much as we say is amazing. We love it. It's our best trade show every year. A lot of our buyer comes to that trade show to find products that aren't tack and feed concept. They're much more of the uh, uh, fashion garment apparel industry, but they tend to get a lot of cool stuff at WISA. Um, and we fall much more into that second um, category. And so we've, we, it's, it's interesting because if I get too fashionable, and this is what I found out, if I get too fashionable, if I really like I'm on the trend and I'm, and I'm going to the New York, Paris runway style, uh-huh. I can't sell them at all. Uh-huh. They, they don't move. They're, they're too trendy too for trendy. Our, our B2B. They're too yes. trendy. It's fascinating. Uh-huh. And so I had to finally come to the terms with like, I can't be too far ahead. I can't be cutting yes. it, but I right. have to be a little bit uh, away from that sure. boring black and brown concept uh-huh. um, and offer something a little bit more unique in the sense that that's why they like a company of ours is that we have something different and something, you know, not mainstream and they're, they're looking to add a little uh, flavor or flair in their store. And that could help you certainly trend forecast because as you mentioned, you can't be too far ahead, but it doesn't mean that, that our industry won't catch up to New York. Um, It may take a year or two, but eventually you'll see those styles come into this industry as well. For sure. I'm just thinking a year or two or 10 um, in in a lot (laughs) of (laughs) cases. You're being nice. And I don't, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think yep. just like the Western industry is very um, set in their ways. They like what they like. And, and we don't have to buck that, right? We don't have to try to change them. What we have to understand is that, that the fringe area of the Western world is plenty big enough for us. And we need to hone in and lean into that um, and offer them enough. And, and I'm glad you guys are talking about this because every year, We'll show up at WISA with between 50 and 70 new styles. And it, and it really shows because that trade show sets our year, January, talking about early season, where people come in and go, hey, what's new? I want to see it. Every year you bring such amazing stuff and, and get excited about seeing the next year's uh, trends. Yes. And we have to have somebody be a trend maker. So if you're that person, all it takes is one person to buy your products before it becomes a trend within our industry. And I must mention that before we started the show, Sophia told both Mike and I, your booth is just very eye-catching because your products are all, it's it's not just the typical hat. You don't, you're not just walking by a, you know, a stand of cowboy hats. You're, yeah. It's very unique and very eye-catching. And she made sure to mention that. Thank you. Yeah, we, and I don't know that we set out for that. I think it was evident that we were just a little different. And I think the the main reason for that, I mean, the simplicity to explain why we're so different is that we're a cut and sew facility. 
And so 90 something percent of what we make here is uh, made from a pattern and we, we then cut it and sew it. Most of the hat industry is done really with, with older technique of blocking with heat and pressure um, and making molds and then forming the hat to that mold. And there's, you know, six or eight different uh, designs uh, in the Western industry. And for the most part, uh, everyone's using that and then adding a little bit of flavor here and there. But for the most part, it's a very similar shaped hat. Yes. There's so many things we can talk about. I'm looking at your website, AmericanHatMakers.com. One thing I want to make sure to get to before I throw it back to Mike or before we have to go, giving back to your community. It mentions on your website, it's not only a core belief of yours, but it is written in your mission statement. And that's Hats for American Heroes program. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's just giving back. And, and, And we do it in many, many ways in the community. That is a program specifically was to call out and to donate hats for people in our community that are doing extraordinary stuff. And and if that's the military, if that's first responders, um, if that's the men in blue, um, just connecting with the community through donations. And and next year, I mean, just to take this step further, next year we're, we're talking about launching four charities. We can touch on skin cancer. I think it's going to be a big topic for the next couple of decades as people live longer. That's one. Obviously, Hats for Heroes is a big one. And then I think being that most hats are worn out, outdoors today, that the environment's a big one. And, and, and so we're starting a mission on, on every hat we sell. We plant a tree, helps ozone layer and such. And then the fourth charity is really going to be a rotation. Uh, one that, that especially in California with a lot of fires as of late, we can do local charities or if there's something big in our community or society that we can uh, get behind and lean into. So we're, we're excited to give back. I think that as a, as a small business and family oriented company, it feels good to do the right thing. And I think our staff and and team and customers can get behind it and, and relate to that. So. Well, and I think adding on to that, and I have it up on my screen, I I think every successful company, whether they list them and uh, put them on their websites or print them out, or they just know it has values they follow, you actually have your core values on your website. And clearly what you're talking about, giving back is one of them. I won't go bother through reading all of them, but, you know, yours is a company that puts your values up front where everybody can see them and everybody can judge whether or not you are following them. I'm sure you're aware of that when you put them there, but that guiding light has to be important in the success you've had since way back on the the tailgate of the station wagon days. Yeah, we're a pretty transparent company. I lead from transparency. I think people can see through, you know, if you're a fraud and I think it shows. And so from an early, early age, eight, nine years old, I, I figured out really early that I wasn't very good at lying. And so I just chose not to do it. Um, and so why not just put it out on Front Street? And if if people want to be affiliated and, and purchase from a company um, that's doing the right thing, like we'd like everybody to know that. So we, we tend to not hide behind it. But yes, thank you for noticing. Um, we're, we're very transparent. And I think overall, as a company and as a family, we're, we're always trying to do the right thing in life and, and support the, the others that are trying to do the right thing as well. And if that's through 
given hats away or, or, you know, I'm a bit, I'm a big fan of like making sure that everybody on my team has a living wage and they get to eat and are successful in their own life. And so there's a lot of mentorship that goes on around here, making sure that everybody has the best um, chance for success as well. So that's a, that's a big part, I think, overall in not only the company, but my personal life. So. Well, I thank you for for sharing that thought as well. Uh, maybe in closing, it's a question we ask a lot of our guests, not looking for a precise answer, but obviously no business is successful unless it's looking forward. Five years from now, roughly, what do you think, if anything, will be different in the way your hats are conceived, produced, and sold? You know, I touched on a little bit earlier. I think like one is getting to a younger demographic. I think that is going to be the success of the future um, for a company like ours, especially as you guys have pointed out. Thank you, by the way, many times in this call that we tend to be refreshing and, and, and great designs. So, so marketing much younger. Also, offering more specific marketing to females. We've got these beautiful hats that are very feminine, but we haven't always done the best job to provide that clear message to the the women. Um, and then two uh, or then three, I guess, is, is really just um, giving back to our community um, and staying relevant in, in the fact that we're all together in this journey and trying to balance doing the right thing in your, your community or society and, and, trying to make a living wage for everybody on your team. And, and I think as long as we're balancing that at the end of the day, it feels good and it feels right. You know, I made, I made a decision early on as I took leadership that I wanted to hire people that were on the same page and we're all in this together. So I'm going to want to want to come to work. Um, and that really has to do with just hiring good people and, and, and providing them a, a nice, safe, good place to work. But Casey, what do you want to add? Well, I think this interview felt really good too, as you mentioned. And I think of anything, the tone of this interview really sets the tone for your business. And I think it makes anybody listening feel safe to do business with you. And I wish you much success in the future. Thank you. I don't know if you guys just heard, but there's a bell. The wholesale department, the B2B department is right outside my door in my office. And they just opened a new customer right now. And it's everybody's cheering because obviously with the pandemic it's been brutal, but we're staying, we're staying positive and excited. And, and you guys got to hear a a new customer of American hat makers that just, just popped in. So well, good for us and good for you. Congratulations, Garth, thanks so much for taking the time. Go celebrate with your staff on adding another customer. And we appreciate you being on the wisdom by WISA podcast. Thanks guys. Have a great day. The show notes and links from today's show can be found on the website wisdombyawisa.com. And of course, we'd like to hear your feedback. If you go to that website, there's a link, a contact link, when you can share your thoughts. The Wisdom by Wisa show will be published on the 15th and 30th of every month. You can listen on most of your favorite podcast players, and you can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Android phone. You just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free, and it's super easy to use. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom by Wisa podcast. Wisa, where the industry meets.